Migs Bustos, Cheska Litton Palau. This is Off the Record. Hello, online world. Hello, OTR. This is Off the Record with Migs. And Cheska. And it is another Monday with this new season, shortened season, of Off the Record. And I'm so happy that we got our show rolling again, Migs. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, for this episode, another Monday po. So I hope lahat mga ka-OTR. For tonight, we have a special guest because he is an Olympian who performed and uh, played at the Tokyo 2020 Tokyo Olympics. He finished 11th, the only Asian to do so, to finish in the top 13 sa mga pole vaulters around the world. Introducing to you everyone, EJ Obiana. What's up, EJ? Hey, you guys. Hey, EJ. EJ, thank you so thank much you for so taking much. the time to join us. Thank you, EJ. Um, thank you for uh, taking the time to join us. I know it's six hours behind because you're based now in Formula Italy. And uh, many months have passed. And then you've had competitions also uh, after the Olympics. Can you tell us the, the whole year of 2021 in a nutshell? EJ, go ahead. Um, I think it was the most consistent year I've ever been. Perform, you know, I've jumped 580 almost every competition, excluding Tokyo Olympics. Um, yeah, I achieved uh, a couple of milestones that I definitely can be proud of. Um, getting the Asian record, you know, breaking the national record multiple times, and that's definitely something that I'm very, very proud of. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a, if you put it in a less words, it's a bittersweet kind of year for me. You know, sweet because I, I was able to get this uh, this medals, this wins, but then a little bit bitter because you know the the time that I should be performing the, my best is in Tokyo, and unfortunately, it didn't end up the way I wanted it to. So, yeah, bittersweet. You okay? Obviously, we are seeing this from a fan's perspective because to us, to us Filipinos. Just seeing you on the world stage, seeing you do your thing and perform so well, we're already ecstatic. We're already screaming. We're already crying because we're just amazed seeing you. Um, but to hear you talk about uh, your personal experience, obviously there's a disconnect for us because you <laughs> you you hold yourself to a higher standard. Um, but you know when it comes to the kind of support. That you felt, um, were we Filipinos able to make you feel how proud we are and how amazed we are? Definitely, definitely. Um, actually, uh, so here's a fun fact. After Tokyo, um, I went straight to our ex secretary general Terry Capistrano. I went to his, uh, you know, his room. Uh, I wanted to talk to him. You know, just kind of get a heads up and. You know, feel how actually is, and I I was a bit scared to open my phone because I uh, you know I've been I've been aiming and I do believe to win a medal, and then I ended up you know not even getting close to that medal, and I I, I was so worried that I would be um how do you say um judged in a way, uh, and uh, you know I would be a little bit uh, how do you say you know 
you didn't represent the Philippines the way it should be here. You know, like all of this, I, I thought I was really worried. And then, you know, after that, the moment I opened social media, see people like, you know, very happy and they're so proud of me, especially, you know, fighting for my my right during the, the competition. You know, it, it's a different, um, it's totally opposite, basically. It's like a, I don't know. And, you know, there's like fun things, you know, my socks and everything kind of got brought <laughs> up and I was just like, you know, I'm, I, I can't say it enough how much I appreciate my fans, especially the Filipino ones, because normally when I do competitions outside of the country, I'll see a Philippine flag somewhere there, like a small one, you know, like they're cheering. There might not be the biggest group out there, but, you know, it's always been something uh, special. Nah, 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 you believe it. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, an indescribable feeling. Um, I can't, um, how do you say, can't say that enough because I, I think it's very difficult to put it into words and how that makes me feel. In you know, every time I step on the track and I see my flag being waved, but you know, and cheering for me. EJ, uh, going to a little bit of news uh, a few months ago. Uh, actually, a few weeks into a uh, couple of months ago, uh, 5.93 in Austria, your best record as of yet, Asian record, and we saw the video uh, that was uploaded on social media. Para siya, ano, in the city, tapos, yeah. ang daming nanonood, nighttime. Can you take us through that moment? Kasi kami hindi namin ma-imagine. We don't know what it's like. But uh, can you um, take us through the moment when you hit 5.93? I mean, I, I love, first, as you said, you know, I love that kind of surrounding the way the fans is so close to me and you know i feel that the clap you know and you feel it like you really feel the crowd like moving in sync into that beat you know when when i asked for that uh clap to kind of um bring my rhythm in you feel that like literally you feel it like it was it's not a figure of speech you feel it like the crowd is like breathing in and out and like it's all in sync and this kind of puts you in the zone like what I mean by in the zone, it's like I forget everything. I just let loose and let my, you know, my technique, my my the years of training just kind of set free. There's no um, there's no overthinking about stuff. I'm just thinking about okay, I need to make this bar. What's the best thing to do? This one. Then I just kind of let it go and like I feel everything is a little bit slower. It's not exaggeration. It is like how I felt. Like it's really a little bit slower, a little bit more exciting for me and uh, the thing is it, it was a clutch move as well it was my last attempt to make the 93 it was on my third the first one was so close i literally look up the bar was still there shaking and then it fell down and i was just like dang doesn't want to didn't want to stay and then the second one was not as good of an attempt and then the third one I actually nicked it a little bit yeah and then yeah, yeah. you know Go, it was shaking as well and i i was looking i remember i was not even touching the pit i swear it was slow motion i was looking right then left and i saw it wasn't falling then when i hit the the the, the mattress i looked up again i just want to make sure that i was like yes let's go like i hit it you know it was um just out of this world my 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 emotions were just overflowing but then in a snap Suddenly, I was just like, you made 93 now, but why weren't I able to make it in Tokyo? That's why I went down to the ground and I started like smacking the pit because I was just like, you know, I'm capable of doing this. 
why did I not bring this on the biggest stage of my career at the moment? And that's why I said it's a bit of a bittersweet. You know, it, it showed me what I'm able to do, but at the same time, it showed me what I could have had if I made that in the, you know, in Tokyo. And yeah, I mean, it's something to keep me hungry for what's come, what's to come. Is that why you posted those five words? I want it. That's why. Yeah, because <laughs> because there's a lot of a lot of question, you know, a lot of things going in the background, um, a lot of things that actually doesn't need to be brought out. But you know, it's not an easy task, and you know, I live a nomadic kind of life here. I, I'm staying in a place in a small city here in Italy, in the middle of nowhere, where like there, we have literally one super, like one big, um, like SM supermarket in the Philippines, you know, it's literally in the middle of nowhere, just focus on training. You know, I need to eat what I need to eat. I can't go out, you know, I can't even see my girlfriend. I have like a week off, you know, let's say, but I still need to do my therapies and that, you know, it's a very, it's a very, my life is not very interconnected to a lot of things. And to be able to commit, it's a lot of questions. Like, how am I supposed to do this? How am I going to continue? Who's going to fund me? What's going to happen the next three years? You know, all of this stuff. It's it's a lot of why's and how and what. And But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a question of if I want it or not. Because if I want it, I'm going to make it work. You know, whatever it is that's in front of me, I'll make it. I'll go around it. I'll break it. I'll, you know, I'll manage basically if I want it. That's why I said, you know, yeah. There's a lot of whys and a lot of hows, but I want it. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm still, I'm still doing it. Can you take us through, EJ? You kind of uh, touched it a bit uh, about your life there in Formia, Italy. But uh, for the ones who are watching, who are listening also uh, to our podcast right now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, what is it like? What is the life of a pole vaulter like, especially for you, EJ, uh, day to day? Um, I mean, if I do it like two weeks it's very fun because you know we pole vaulting is so complex that we train a lot of different variables of the vault but then if you do it for the i mean like six years seven years in a row you know it gets very repetitive it's it gets a little bit you know gets stuck in your head and you know it's not easy knowing that let's say at the end of the workout i'll i know i'll be on my knees throwing up on the side you know there's those kind of those kind of pain that I know I need to go through to be able to do what I do. I mean, my life here is very, very simple. Um, I wake up around 7.30 or 8 in the morning. I cook my breakfast. I eat. And then I basically sit on my computer, check if I need to do so, answer some emails, do some paperwork for my federation, this and that. And basically at around 9.30, 10, I'll be at the track until 1 p.m. And then actually eat after that and go to the basically there's like a cafeteria there i eat i go back home around 1 around 2 p.m back home stay here check if i need to do anything um, in connection to philippines because that's around 8 p.m normal normal time here in europe check if i need to submit anything try to rest if i can then back at four i'm back in the track i'm there in the track until maybe 7 38 p.m eat dinner go back here take a shower sleep so it's a very, you know, it's a non-glamorous kind of kind of lifestyle, but it is what 
it's what I believe it takes to be able to perform the way I'm performing and to be able to improve. So it's not uh, nothing to complain about, you know, not fun. Don't get me wrong. It's <laughs> I, I'll choose vanilla any single day, be able to get out with my friends at, at night. But yeah, this is what it takes to to get there. And yeah, I know I need to pay that price. Hi, I'm Iba Bernardo. Jolly Alarcon. And Bak Pago. Kami ang host ng Tunay na Rider, the number one motorcycle podcast in the Philippines that brings you unfiltered, raw, and authentic takes on motorcycles, riding, and everything in between. Join the ride! Check out the Tunay na Rider on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to this episode. Um, speaking of paying that price, you you already mentioned a while ago that you live a very nomadic lifestyle. We've seen you all around the world this year competing, and obviously you've been training nonstop as well. You've already set your sights on Paris in 2024. But outside of all of that, where do you find your sense of home? Um, this might sound cliche. I think right now my sense of home is my team, you know, the people that surrounds me, my coach, my physios, you know, the people are, who I interact with every single day. Um, don't get me wrong, Philippines is my home. That's where my family is. But right now, you know, the people, the support system that I have the most is the people that I deal with every single day. And I'm very, very thankful for my coach, you know, having my back and every twists and turns and whatever that I need to do. And then the physio who always there to kind of support me, make sure that I'm in my perfect shape to be able to perform. You know, it it's not it's not just a plain black and white kind of relationship that he's my coach, you know. It's it revolves everything around it. And you know, my life kind of is right now in this uh, certain stage that, you know, I need to depend on these people. And they depend on me. And I think that's that's what I'm going to base at right now is my home, my my place to be. I want to ask about uh, your family support, uh, EJ. Uh, of course, they're in the Philippines, but you got to see your dad, uh, one of maybe your coaches. I mean, like your, 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 uh, parang yung, sorry, tatagalogin ko na lang. Okay, para para talagang coach mo talaga, di ba? I mean, like, yes, and he was and he was with you in Tokyo. Yeah. What was it like, you know, uh, uh, being under his wing and his guidance, especially uh, in the Olympics? It's totally different. Um, my dad is my coach, but at the same time, he's my dad, and there's like this fine line that's that kind of separate them. It's very, you know very like small it's like being a father being a coach it's a very it's very close it might even be overlapping this and that right now for me during tokyo my my clear coach is my coach as vitaly petrov he's the guy who who has trained me for the past three three years he's the guy who's going to call the shot during the game but my dad was there you know he knew me longer than anyone else you know, since i was born and he was just there, you know, to kind of me being at my best, you know, like knowing how I kind of deal with everything. You know, that's what he, I believe, was the biggest influence for me in Tokyo. 
you know, he was making sure that everything was as smooth as it can be. Nothing, nothing crazy that's going to be popping in my, you know, in my face. That's something that's uh, very, how do you say, um, nakakakaba, kumbaga. So, siya talaga yung, I, I depend on him. Siya bagay na mga, to make sure that everything falls into place. And, you know, it's my dad. I'm very happy to see him, even if, you know, we're not that, uh, we're not very mushy kind of relationship, you know, we're very straightforward kind of, me and my dad, our dynamics is like that, you know, because as I said, he was my coach growing up until I was jumping five meters. So, you know, that, that line of being a dad and a coach was always been merged with me. When it comes to, sorry, now that obviously anyone who talks to you can immediately sense that <laughs> when you say that you're focusing on something, you're really going to focus on something. Uh, you you lay out plans and you do whatever it takes to fulfill those plans. But has there ever been a time where you felt like you kind of you know couldn't figure out which direction to head into um, how were you able to recalibrate and refocus? I mean, that's actually happens more more times than I can count. Um, I think having a plan is good, but you know, I need to kind of balance it out. Um, as I said, um, going to Tokyo, there's a lot of things that were in my control. Some made it to the news, some didn't, some are, are hidden, some whatnot, like, you know, I, that time, my mindset was just the only thing that's keeping me. Um, you know, uh, if the moment I agree or I accept that something's not going my way or something's not going the way it should be, I believe, I think that's already me one step, you know, putting my, my feet on that excuse, you know, this didn't happen. That's why I ended up like this, you know, and I don't want to be that, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I'll make the most of what I'm given. And then let's reflect on that afterwards. You know, I don't want to be going into the biggest championship, the biggest stage of my career, doubting myself because, oh, something didn't happen. These are new posts, you know, I'm not used to them. Or, or you know, oh, I didn't sleep right last night. You know, I, I don't want to be thinking about that during the game. So whatever happened that was not supposed to happen or what went wrong, I was just... In my head, it was, okay, this is all part of the plan. This is what's going to make it sweeter. This is what's going to make it better. This is what's going to make my my journey special. And, you know, that kind of mindset, I believe, gave me at least somehow of a fighting chance in whichever, in whichever situation I'm dealt with. And I'm sure in the next three years going to Paris, there's going to be a lot of things that's not going to go my way. But... You know, I'm going to have that mindset as well that that's what it takes. And this is something that I want. And this is something that I need to make make it work. So no complaints about it. EJ, uh, I see on your social media and your Instagram, uh, I saw a dunking video of you. I saw also <laughs> you playing tennis, right? Yeah. So maybe just a little bit of something different. Who are your sports idols, basketball idols, tennis idols? Um, basketball, I mean, it depends, you know, like, I believe like these icons in basketball is very, they have their distinctive strengths and weaknesses. Like LeBron is just an all around, all around great, 
player, a great person, you know, that, that in itself is a different kind of um, ability to manage. And then Michael Jordan was just a straight out killer out there in the court. You know, the way he, he perceives everything is like, as, as the, the memes said, he took it personal. But, you know, like that kind of killer mindset is really amusing for me. And, you know, that's something I actually try to imitate and try to learn. Um, you know, so those two, definitely. And Kobe is a different kind of guy, you know, the way he sees things. And he said, you know, why I still compete, why I play during the games while I'm injured. It's because I don't know if there's a kid out there that actually paid for that ticket and I'm right. going to sit out the game. You know, that's a different, I, I take that and I try to, you know, see that it's that level of, you know, that level of them being able to still perceive those kind of things is it's mind-blowing it's a definitely humbling um instances and in tennis tennis is a mental game that that i'm not that good but the mental side of tennis is something that i really really love and i really love roger nadal djokovic but right now if i'm going to say mental wise it's djokovic that i'm leaning on you know the way he bounced back after that that mishap in 2020 US Open and then now yeah. after the you know getting losing a slam three straight sets and now winning Paris just a few just a few days ago you know that's a different kind of mindset just being able to bounce back and you know get back into it and believe yourself that you're capable oh god that's he is the best at that in my opinion Roger you know the way he played the way he carried himself in and out of the court speechless nadal the way he fights every single ball that he takes you know it's these kind of things i think makes like athletes the next generation of athletes look up to and this is something i i myself still am trying to learn and trying to actually be able to live by and you know take this traits and virtues that these champions these icons and actually be able to live with it and live by it every single day it's it's a work in progress but i love them all so see now i kind of want to ask ej about every other athlete that he looks up to because i was <laughs> blown away by his breakdown of every single oh. athlete. do you do you want to host the show i like the comparison on uh lebron Kobe and Jordan, tapos Nadal, Djokovic, Federer into his own. Diba, <laughs> no, seriously. We, we might, yeah. you know, make a third co-host work. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> May breakdown. Ganda, 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 ganda. That was amazing. Ang that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> wow. But, <laughs> see, now, who else are the other athletes? <laughs> <laughs> No, but see, you you talk a lot. You you mentioned this so many times that there is the, the mental aspect, the way they think, the way they bounce back, all of that. But I, are you aware that you already do these things yourself? Like, uh, do you realize that you have imbibed that culture within you as well? I, I probably sometimes, yeah, I do. After some some instances, yeah, I, I do believe like, okay, I, I embody this this virtue, this trait. But as I said, you know, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. You know, it's not like 
every single day I can be, you know, like like Michael Jordan going in the, in the track and like, okay, I'm going to win this, you know. You fight for the second and third. This is mine. Sometimes, you know, I get into the field. It's not like that. It's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. I'm definitely am learning from them. And I'm very, very humbled to hear that you believe that I, I embody these virtues. And sometimes I do feel like I do but not in every single step of the way. And, you know, I still have this different kind of perspective, definitely, than all of them. Yeah. All right. So, EJ, congrats on a good season still. You know, after the Olympics, definitely you have bounced back, uh, broke Thank records, you. and, of course, looking forward to another season in 2022. I know that's going to be a packed one. So what's yes. it going to be like for you in 2022, and how are you preparing now for Paris 2024 Paris Olympics? Um, so I'm, I'm still taking it one step at a time. Right now I'm looking at the nearest championship, which is the World Indoors in March in Belgrade. But at the same time, I have the Asian Indoors. So I believe I need to kind of prepare my indoor season based on those two major championships and choose my competitions accordingly um, related to those. So um yeah i mean that's the the closest one but you know we're already told my coach you know i want to medal in all of these championships so there's like five major championships right now um so let's start with the asian indoor in february world indoor in march and then i have the southeast asian games in may I have in world championship in july and then i have the asian games in August, late August, if I'm right, or September. Major dikit dikit EJ yeah. Yeah. This is this is where my coach is amazing at. So you know he's the guy who has have 35 world records, multiple world championship, multiple Olympic medals, and he knows how to prepare me to be able to perform in each and every you know competitions. So yeah, I I discussed it to him. He basically said one thing to me yeah you're gonna be dead in every single training but are you sure you want to do this i was just like i'm here i'm here that's why i'm here you know i didn't go back home so i'm here yeah, let's do it you know yeah that's why i love with this guy um if i'm gonna analyze him the way i analyze my idols i think it's very it's a different he's a different kind of animal as well you know he he's 76 years old i still question myself what what makes this guy tick? What makes this guy drive and still be in, in like six hours in the track at 76 years old? You know, it's, it's still mind boggling. I still haven't figured him out, but you know, that's an inspiration I live by every single day and see him go to the track. And I can't just, I can't be in the track and like, okay, I don't want to train. And then there's this 76 year old guy. It's like, let's go, let's go train. How? You know, that's, that's just, me analyzing him so it's you can give a shout out ej you can give a shout out <laughs> like what do you mean like well if he's gonna listen to this i just want to let him know that you know i'm very thankful for whatever he has given me and i'm i'm forever in depth to him you know I, he brought me to this stage the point where i actually can influence the next generation as well Am I actually able to perform with the best of my abilities? At the same time, just being with me day in, day out, going through all the ups and downs of my career, of my day-to-day -day life. Very thank thankful for having someone 
like that by my side and be able to trust him fully about every single thing. It's, it's a, it's a, not just 10 kilos, like a lot of weight off my shoulder. All right, EJ, we know that you're busy with training and you have so many things ahead of you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show. But before we let you go, do you have a message to all your fans, to all your supporters, uh, to everyone watching? Um, to everyone that has been with me throughout the journey and, you know, so watching and looking every single day to my competition, I just want to say thank you so much. And I really, really appreciate you guys. And sometimes, you know, there are days that I don't want to push myself. I, I draw on that. I draw on the people that believes in me. I draw on the people that supports me. So whenever I take a medal, whenever I win, whenever I break a record, that's just my, my it, I believe it's ours. It's ours. And thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll see you around. All right. There you have it. Olympian Paul Volter from Formia, Italy, straight from Formia, Italy, EJ Obiena. Maraming salamat, EJ, for joining us here, taking time off uh, to join Off the Record. Maraming, maraming salamat. So this has been Off the Record with Migs. And Cheska. And we will see you guys again next Monday for another episode. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>